0: Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. You're listening to Lauren. And I'm Vix.
1: We're two sexy, self-reclaimed sluts living in Melbourne, Australia, and waxing lyrical to you about sex. Wow, how surprising. Today we have a very special baby-sode for you. Uh, Baby-sodes, if you haven't listened to one before, are an episode where we break our usual advice-giving format and we discuss something that really fucking interests us. Today, that is going to be words and terms. Kind of consider it like a little bit of a sexy dictionary. What do words around sex and relationships mean? What's a top? What's a bottom? What's a verse? What's a pillow princess? Did we even cover that in this episode?
0: I'm really excited about this subject because a lot of people email us and say, what am I? Am I allowed to call myself this? What kind of language is that? Uh, So a baby-sode, as Vic says, breaks from our usual format. We really just focus on one topic or one bucket of a subject. Usually on this show, we like to take people's questions and curiosities and offer our advice, our thoughts, and basically offer our listeners the experience of having a sex positive friend or aunties or cousins or, you know, just pals that you can chat with very intimately about really vulnerable stuff. The show is not about turning you on. It's about making you feel safe, uh, not judged and not alone in the terrifying world that is connections, dating, sex and everything. In between. So, we work really hard for this to be um, a shame free zone. We make this show in order to tackle our own shame, and that's what we want for you as well. It's really important to know that we are not pros, we are not. Dating professionals, we are not relationship psychologists, we're not doctors. Uh, Anything that we talk about that is curious or interesting for you, please feel free to chat with uh, a licensed professional, which we heartily recommend, or hop into your own research way out there. Our only qualification is that we love it and we get asked about shit. So without further ado, Vix and I are going to sit down, grab some tea and biscuits, and have a whole chat about words and terms. So, Vix, I'm excited for a juicy conversation about words, terms, jargon, acronyms. I'm really curious do you use any slang or any of this kind of language in your dating profiles?
1: Is it terrible that <laughs> I don't think that I know off the top of my head? I'm just going to grab my phone uh, as we speak. Uh, <laughs> I've only got three dating apps downloaded at the moment. So, you know, we're, we're looking a bit skint on that front. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm actually not sure if I only use them verbally. Let me see. Bew, bew, bew. No, none. Not. <laughs> I, I, I mean, my literal thing that I say that I'm looking for is I'm looking for cute dates, good conversation, banging connections and sparkly
0: sexual connections.
1: So I feel like I've been pretty like upfront.
0: <laughs> I love that. I think that's really descriptive, full of personality. We get asked all the time, what should I put on my dating profile? I think that, that covers it really well, you know, put that personality in there. Uh, would you have any acronyms or slang that you're absolutely keen on when you, see, when you see it on other people's dating profiles?
1: That's a really hard question. I think I've now opened up another app, which is Field, which is, I feel like I would want to see, you know, because on Field, you can put like what your desires are, which is a lot more, I think, closer to the conversation that we want to have uh, around descriptive describing words. So like on there, mine are goddess worship, MMF, MFF, FF, MF, soft kink, events group 6 and kitten play.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And fetish and kink really is its own whole world there. And for the kids playing along at home, shouldn't have said kids there, but for the people playing along at home, when we're talking about MMF or MF it's things like male male female threesomes, MF, male-female, FF, female-female, or femme-fem. Fem. You know, those are those are some starter acronyms. I yeah, say, right? so That's it's slightly real uh,
1: out- outdated, really, I think, for the, the world that we're living in to describe. <laughs> That's the funny thing too, right? Of like the edits that we do in our own head, even when we see something like that represented. Like on the cover, I feel like this would look trans-exclusionary, but like in my head the way that attraction works for me I'm just like men and women you know so that's everyone
0: <laughs> those are still expansive labels and exactly. uh, and you're still down with the non-binary folks it's just
1: oh yes a whole very lot of people, much so
0: <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of people are still falling under mask or femme kind of labels and that's the thing like even the term mask or femme is still breaking down and being more expansive than male or female and that's the thing it's like the more labels you use the more trouble you can run into or the more accidental confusion uh you can you can run into sometimes right
1: oh absolutely I mean that that's the thing right because even when I'm sort of like talking uh about women I probably say femmes more often now yeah, for anyone presenting femme and mask, anyone presenting mask, whatever that that means on any particular day, depending on, you know, what kind of person you are and how you're living your life. And, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the, I feel like now I'm just going down a different road of like, that's what's so beautiful about fashion and the way that we style ourselves and that, you know, uh, on any given day, you can kind of exude different uh, vibes through how you dress yourself. You know, like how I know you like to definitely have like some more mask Elements sometimes,
0: yeah, and that's the kind of thing where I think when I was young and I was like, "Um, I think I'm a lesbian. I know that I'm attracted to women. Uh, Men scare me and disgust me, so I guess maybe I'm a lesbian. Kind of, uh, kind of days. I was. I was made to feel kind of like, what is my, I don't even like to use the word tribe, but like, what is my group here? Like, what is my designation? You know, like, am I, am I a stud? And am I a femme? You know, am I, am I butch? Like, what am I? And that was kind of really important to the other queer women that I knew at the time when I was like a teenager or a late teenager, Whereas it's not actually that important to me now, like I wouldn't say negotiation or discussion of labels and terms shows up a hell of a lot for me. It maybe shows up a little bit more in terms of kink stuff or fetish stuff where I do need to know more specifically what's on the table or off the table for people. But I felt like it was really important to know exactly how to present to have the correct label when I was, you know, 16, 17 and a young queer woman so vix do you feel like other people have put labels on you that have worked for you or not worked for you like do you get the bbw term put on you a whole lot how do you feel about that term what's been the go
1: yeah, I, I think that, like, BBW as a term is really interesting in that, like, I've seen some dialogue around it recently where, you know, some people being like, BBW is a fucking porn category. Like, it's not, it's not real fucking weird. <laughs> like, what are you, what are you talking about? um I feel like people... Definitely, don't say it to me directly. They don't use that acronym. They are so much more likely. It's always the people who come in, and their first message is like, mm, love your curves," you know. And it's almost always that. Definitely around the 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 fat stuff. I definitely don't find a lot of acronyms are used to me but i think i can definitely you know <laughs> tell based on some different specific behaviors uh, around the people who you know likely watch a lot of BBW porn! <laughs> Give me those fat ladies! Um, <laughs> but you
0: know, I actually look at a lot of that. So. <laughs> I think it's a really great way to delineate, is it a porn category or is it like an identity or a culture kind of situation where, you know, when we're talking about BBW, which, you know, just as a little check-in, I understand BBW as Big Beautiful Woman. Does that sound about right? Is that the general nomenclature for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you'll have like SS, BBW. So it's sort of, um, you know, a, a much larger. Women again, so uh, yeah, definitely still how it's rocking and rolling. But you know, much like um saying um I'm curvy instead of I'm fat, there's like actually quite a wide range of body types within that. Like it might actually just be like the classic, you know, you know when you see like a plus size general model on like a fashion website and it's like a size twelve to fourteen with a flat stomach, and you're like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, BBW.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like that's BBW to some people, and that's exactly. far, a vast universe away from BBW for many, many people.
1: I mean, that's the whole reason we wanted to have this conversation, right? Is because these words, terms, and phrases mean such vastly different things to different people in different situations and different lifestyles. It can be really hard to keep up with sometimes.
0: Definitely. And I do feel like looking at terms and what were their origins and where did they come from and like, who do they serve? I think are really important. Like saying, you know, BBW is a porn category rather than a term that has come from like the plus size community or the body positive community and things like that. Like, so it's the domain of men like it's it's potentially patriarchal you know there's probably lots of critique people can do and people even talk about it in lesbian culture where they're like look if if all the labels of like stud stem femme butch you know dyke things like that if those were all related to how masculine you are like why are we obsessed with masculinity within women-loving-women culture, sapphic culture, lesbian culture. Like, why is why is there femme? And that's one category. But then there's five other labels of how masculine you are. <laughs> like, Whoa. yeah, like, it's weird. It's weird. Wow, that's, that's a lot to chew on. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of the time people, especially when I look at TikTok culture, the lesbians and queer women who I see get very popular are a very slender, very androgynous, very masculine-presenting kind of queer lady, which, of course, I love and respect. But it does bring into that question of, I don't know, sort of being being a bridge or, like, what's popular. I do think language drives so much of, of what is popular, Uh, And I do think things like dating apps have turbocharged some of the the use of language and the use of, like, self-filing and what are you, what's in and what's out for you, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, and not just dating profiles, but social media profiles as a whole. Like, you have this really limited amount of space to define who you are and what you're all about to signal, you know, to your people, here I am uh, connect with me. And yeah, I guess that, you know, the most classic ones that you just see in general, I mean, obviously we float around the queer spaces a lot. So it's, di- it's different people's like, uh, queer sexuality labels that I think I see, you know, in the most regular sort of way, <laughs> easily accessible, um, not, you know, kitten play and goddess worship, like, you know, field for sex, but, um, and, and that's the thing, because it, it feels really important to people and like their identity to signal like, I'm queer, I'm queer, or, or I'm very queer in this specific way. Because, you know, it is such a large, I feel like once people realize that they're queer, uh, and if you choose to, to be very outward about it, you know, we all have different styles. I feel like sometimes that about queer culture in general, I feel like it, it feels sometimes like you have to be flashing it around and making it your whole being. But you know, um love out there to all of the the quiet queers living whatever sort of life that you're living without, you know, pacing a rainbow flag on everything. You're valid too. This was a major segue. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think it's uh, I think it's so relevant though because when I'm on Tinder and I'm looking at the hetero world, they don't use acronyms or labels much whatsoever. But when I look at queer spaces or I look at kink spaces, everyone's using language and everyone's describing. And I think it's a good thing in a lot of ways because people are thinking about what they like and they're not taking a default, you know, and they're not – You know, they're they're doing their sort of sex horoscope of like, who am I and what do I like? And I think those are good things. And I don't see the hetero space do it very much. So like if I'm in the queer space, people will say, are you a top or are you a bottom? I don't see that happen much in queer spaces or, I mean, in straight uh, spaces or straight dating apps whatsoever.
1: No, I feel like
0: there's so little
1: information for what I actually want to know. You know, like, yes, I'd, I'd kind of like to know, uh, like, hit dudes out there, are you a bottom? Like, <laughs> is there a potential I can peg you? Is that on the table? It more feels like, you know, it's such a lucky dip um, trying to date people in the hit space just because there's, there's just so little information and then you've kind of got to be coy about it because, you know, some people can, can get quite funny about it. And that's what, what's neat, I guess, about like trying to date in the queer polyamorous areas. Because, yeah, I mean, you go there and you've got, yeah, polyam, polyam, vegan, bi, bisexual, um. <laughs> uh hope that you're cool with that or probably better you know swipe the other way or you know if somebody's demisexual, that's really nice to know it's really nice to know if somebody's asexual or aromantic and just like helping to frame like what kind of interactions are you looking for so you know i think like language and slang in in dating profiles is is really really helpful and you know especially if you're looking for something specific if you don't if you can't even say there what you're looking for. I think it's hard though, right? Because I think a lot of people still live in fear of other people seeing their dating profiles, whether that's, I don't want people to know what I'm into. I don't even want people to know that I'm looking, which, you know, I get it. There's been periods of my life where I've been scared of that. But also, if you don't ask for what you want, how are you gonna find that little freak who wants to peg you? Like, wave your flag. Like, (laughs) I mean... Lauren, like uh, it's like off the top of your head, like if you like, I just want to put you in the mindset of um, you're a man looking to be pegged. Like, what do you think you'd have on your profile that was like <laughs> not mega to to give the idea that maybe stuff like that could be on the table?
0: Totally. I think that's a really good little example, because if I was a, uh, a cishet guy that was interested in getting pegged by a woman. Uh, I think you might feel like you have to go to something like Life and maybe consider the pegging to be really kinky. Whereas I would say I don't think it has to be very kinky. It's definitely a more unusual or intermediate kind of sexual thing. But I think TikTok has seen that many people are quite intrigued or interested but i think they might feel like they have to go to something like fit life because that's a space where even straight men can use a lot of descriptive language about what they like or don't like and be vulnerable in that kind of way because if i was just on tinder i you know as a dude i'd probably try and be like i really like strong women that are that are down to you know take control in the bedroom or I'm a very creative lover or something like all this flowery blah kind of language oh
1: my god why do I never read on people's profiles I'm a creative (laughs) lover that's literally like the number one thing I'm looking for (laughs) with people in bed um I mean no I, I, I think so if somebody is like able to be creative I think that they're also able to be vulnerable uh, which is really important to me. But then again, it's like, that's what creative means to me. Like, it's hard to say what creative in that context would mean to all people. Like for some people, was it like, would it, another reading could be like, it means that they want really, really kinky sex, which then could be scary. <laughs> so it's hard when we're operating from this base where we're not, we don't have a shared dictionary of meaning where all of these words phrases and acronyms have a single meaning that we can know by just looking at it like we're all inferring with our own uh, biases and understanding of the world and our prior you know um experiences
0: absolutely I think one of those labels that comes up so often but trips trips people up all the time trips me up all the time is that question of top bottom or verse dominant submissive switch so for the listeners like top and bottom I believe originally came from more of a gay male kind of culture and just a really reductive term for like are you the person that puts the penis in the butt (laughs) or are you the butt that takes the penis kind of kind of situation this is my understanding And then when we're talking about dominant and submissive, that is maybe a little bit more kinky of like the person that controls, the person who is controlled. And then verse with top, bottom and verse is someone that can be either the top or the bottom role. And in the dominant or submissive conversation, a switch is someone that might switch between roles, whether that's in the same time period or the same play session or just between partners or different experiences, etc. So, this whole idea of controlling, like controller, controlled, and swappable, <laughs> those things still, again, mean so much to a lot of people. And like when I was young, And learning about kink and first legal to, like, go to events and stuff, my understanding of a lot of the sex that I like to have or the culture that I felt intrigued by was this dominant, submissive, switch kind of language. But then when I was older and I would get to know other people that sort of had sexually expansive experiences or play parties and things like that, they would instead identify a lot more with top or bottom or verse language because for them, they're like, well, someone can be a top without being a dominant kind of person. And they didn't like the emotional language or the connotations of dominant versus a top kind of thing. And so for them, they're like, no, I'm a top and not a dominant. And that was the first time that I was like, is that language on the table for me as well? Like, do other people see dominant that way? You know, and it was interesting, but it was the first time that I was like, oh, maybe the label's getting in the way a little bit here, or I'm interested in how this person uses this language instead. And I think all of our labels switch over time. I think both you and I have identified with very different labels at different times.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like I feel like lots of people who are a little bit more submissive bottom are really attracted to me often. I think it's because I've got that real, like, big dick energy, Um, you know, very loud, you know, reasonably charismatic, like... I don't know, I feel like there is in some ways that my confidence exudes power and I feel like people are like, yum, yum, lay that on me. Let me be your bitch. And I'm like, oh no, I'd really like to make you my bitch but I feel like I'm, I'm like, when is it gonna be the point where I feel confident enough in domination that I'm just like, yes, my pet. <laughs> 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 it won't yeah. react in fear.
0: <laughs> and like, you know, for me as someone who is more of a top or more of a dominant, I can tell you like, you never just feel 100% confident, like you know exactly what the fuck you're doing. And you shouldn't either, like it should be an ongoing conversation, but to feel interested in holding the energy, you know, or holding the control, you know, be being interested in that and wanting to cultivate that is what it means a lot more for me. So when someone's like, are you a top or are you a bottom or, you know, are you a dominant or a, a submissive? For me, it's kind of like, well, do you like to sort of give the energy or do you like to hold the energy cultivate the energy use the energy kind of thing and i'm not a very woo woo crystals kind of person so you know energy is a very sort of expansive term but it's not just what you're doing physically you know no. to me
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole where I feel things get really squicky for me because as soon as people are kind of like I'm a submissive or I'm a bottom, I you know, one of the first questions I always ask is I'm like, what does that mean to you? Or what does that look like? Or could you tell me, you know, a bit about a scenario that you've been in where, you know, that label was applicable? Or, you know, that that kind of jazz to get more of an insight because I was finding I was I think I've talked about it on the pod before, but for a little while there, I was really specifically looking for goddess worship scenarios. It was something that I experienced when I was um, on a holiday in London and it just like blew my fucking mind because that's the thing. It's like, I was the receiver. However, the interaction was all about me. Everything was about, you know, making me, Feel powerful, and so it was kind of like this realization of learning. I guess more about the forms of like soft domination, you know, and, and worship, and like that is another area that's like snuggled into the the power dynamics area. But what was really interesting is trying to seek that and and asking for it specifically, you know, by putting goddess worship as a phrase into these profiles. I would have a lot of people come to me and be like, great, I want you to sit on my face. And I'm just sitting there like, but how is that about me? The essence of what I want out of this is to be pleased. I want my, what I, what I describe it to them as, is I want my pleasure to be your pleasure, which I think is like the most succinct way that I've been able to figure out how to express that. However, despite being like, I'm a bottom, I'm a submissive, there was no asking what I wanted or what we could do together or how we could please each other. It moved really, really quickly into, um, it, a lot of face sitting was, was requested. I, th- I think it's that they want a big fat, gorgeous woman to suffocate them. And I'm like, that's just not what I'm asking for. Cause none of that's about me and did nowhere. I didn't say goddess worship. I want to suffocate dudes. <laughs> Like, you know that's like very different and and I think it's hard too with like lesser known terms and phrases as I'd also have a lot of people being like well I want you to explain it to me and it's like I need you to do base research and then we can have a discussion around that but for your first message to me being like what is goddess worship I'm like um I it, when I'm when I'm looking at, at people's profiles, Or I've had discussions and there has been words I don't know. If it's a discussion with people I know... I like to ask and if it's um, a typed conversation, you better fucking believe I'm doing a cursory fucking Google search before replying or going to Urban Dictionary and checking things out. Like I actually think it's so unattractive when people won't even do a basic cursory Google and they just expect you to do that work for them. So it's sort of like we're talking about like, yeah, all these words and phrases, uh, mixed meanings, but there are lots of sources where we can try
0: and get some of the framework for what they might mean. Absolutely. And if someone is not willing again to do that little cursory Google, I mean, I was saying this to my partner on the weekend. I think that people can be sorted into two categories. So people that are happy to pass on an inconvenience to someone else and people who aren't willing to do that. And I see the former happen way too much in dating spaces or even in kink spaces where it's like, the onus on things being passed down the line to the other person, of like, I want you to do some work. And especially when I'm a person that considers. Myself as like a femme top or fem dom or whatever else to be the rarer species. I'm like, no,
1: <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, you're absolutely a rare not. bun. You've like, yeah, got... so are you. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Well, that's, but that's the thing, right? Is like the other part of like having all of these descriptive words is like you were saying earlier, where you're like, the stress of being younger and being like, I don't know what words to accurately describe myself. Like, I'm terrified sometimes of using these words and using them incorrectly and maybe giving somebody the wrong impression about what I can give them. But that's the thing, unless you've slept with someone already or had robust discussions about it, like, how the fuck can you know with, like, one or two of these words if you can... (laughs) create like create their fantasy or or it aligns with like how you operate like that I think that's the thing about these words and profiles right that's like they're a they're a starting point to have more discussion around and I think that's I mean you're like where do you drop this in the conversation but like one of the strongest things that I want to get across today is like ask ask <laughs> <laughs> the what, <end>. is, <laughs> what is being a, a top mean to you what is being a bottom mean to you um what is being a switch mean to you How, like if you're talking about non-monogamy like you know uh, are they doing you know you'll see a lot at the moment like enm so ethical non-monogamy which still i don't really understand I, I know what it is they're basically like everybody knows is on board but for me like that's Uh, that's non-monogamy. Like if (laughs) there's non-monogamy or cheating, like so cool, like I'm trying to say ethical non-monogamy as well. I think it's got really popular over the last 12 months and I'm like, fine. If that's what you understand it to be, like I'll jump on board even though it's just non-monogamy at the heart. But anyway, like, so you might have somebody who's got non-monogamy, but then you could also have somebody who might have open relationship, or you could have polyam, and like, all of those, um, sounds like three categories. It's not three categories. (laughs) One is an umbrella for for all of the above. The second, um... Very varied meanings and polyamory are very, very, varied meanings, which is why, especially for something like polyamory or open relationships, I do implore you to ask what those phrases mean to the person and how it operates in their life right now. And also, how has it looked when it's felt really good? You know, it's, I think those extra, extra step questions are also quite important. What do you
0: think, Lauren? I absolutely agree with you. I think that, you know, as we've talked about, there's such a difference between saying, what does submissive mean to you rather than what is a submissive? Because if someone comes to me being like, what is X? Instead of what does X mean to you? I'm hearing, I don't understand what you are, but I'm going to try and fuck, (laughs) which I'm like, I'm not here for that attitude whatsoever. So I think that question between, Doing some research, having an idea, but then get really good at saying, Yeah, I think what you say of what is it when it's looked really good for you is a great example. I think sometimes people use labels because it's what they hope. Like, especially, I think there, I've spoken to a lot of women that are like, would love to have a really submissive experience. And I'm like, Well, have you read erotica that's really hot or seen porn that's really hot or? what ideas or themes of submission feel really sexy for you. And like, those are really good, useful conversations to have because you can have a submissive that just really wants you to be the one to choose what you eat in the restaurant and set a bedtime for them and decide what you're going to do on every date. But then there's some submissives that want you to use them as an ashtray. Like, there's such a different rage. Like you can't just say a submissive is like this or a dominant is like this. So you really do have to have a conversation. It's only like the barest of splits of terms, really
1: yeah and I think something that I was thinking about while you were describing that about like you know them being fantasies and hopes, like I do feel like people do often use um labels in a very aspirational way, like wh- how they think they might want to identify or experience or play and see what that feels like, but it, it's also tricky because like. While it feels aspirational to you, it then reads to the other person, perhaps, I I imagine quite frequently as experience, certainty um, and their version of whatever that means, you know, because like I think (laughs) in people not understanding labels, you know, having goddess worship on there and then having men come and be like, um, you know, talk down to me as a submissive when I'm sort of like, okay, for one, I, like, I didn't say that you could talk to me like that. And number two, what the fuck about my confident, vibrant motherfucking profile said that I wanna be your bitch? If I wanted to be somebody's bitch, it would be on there and you'd know. And you know, sometimes I do, like <laughs> it really varies what I want. and sometimes I don't want to be a bitch. I want to be baby. And sometimes I just want to like receive lots of care. like sometimes in me and um Lauren's relationship, like she's like bit like big dumb uh carer energy, and I'm big baby receiver <laughs> of care. <laughs> and, like that of that dynamic often for us is is like really nice, you know, but then sometimes we're you know both both like equal power like it it varies and that's the thing too I I feel like that's the interesting thing about these kinds of words is like I feel like they're like very relegated to like just sort of like a sexual world but I feel like maybe considering them in non-sexual ways and kind of like how you interact in your other relationships in your life could be an interesting way to sort of explore like what you enjoy there. Does that make sense?
0: Completely and I'm always thrilled when it especially in queer spaces when I meet a woman or someone who's non-binary who's like you know sort of self-proclaimed daddy energy. I'm like yeah a daddy doesn't have to be a man of a certain age and build. It can also just be an energy or a mindset or a role or you know or any of those kinds of things. So I think that that's really good and very exciting when people are like, I'm going to take this that doesn't belong to me, or someone acted like it didn't belong to me, and I'm going to make it mine. Like, that's, that's hot, that's sexy, we like that, we like that.
1: That's real sexy.
0: Man, I love
1: daddy energy floating.
0: So we spoke a little bit about lesbian versus gay language. So, you know, Vix and I are in the alphabet mafia. We are not gay or lesbian. <laughs> we might borrow this language a little bit, but both of us are bi or pan women. So squibbly wibbly, expansive kind of Scooby, sex- scooby. Yeah. You know. <laughs> as 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 many of the best of us are. But what's interesting is Having gone through a lot of uh, language, for me, as someone who is attracted to big bodies, um, attracted to big bodies of every gender, especially when I am with men and mask-presenting people that are really large, for them, it's a huge consternation that the the culture and the language that celebrates and even designates their body – as being a bear, for example, they could only sort of find that in gay porn. And it really brought home for me that so much of gay language of like being an otter, being a bear, being a twink is really about body so much, body shape, body size. And then on the lesbian side of things, stud, femme, butch, whatever, it's kind of about fashion. And I didn't really notice that until I was having that conversation between those two things. uh, And it kind of blew my mind.
1: I mean, it makes so much sense, I think, to just the classics of like, you know, when like sometimes men will be real shitty about how women dress, and it's like, we're not dressing for you. (laughs) It might seem that way. It's like, whether it's queer or not, like, generally it's for other women or other femmes because they're the people in the world who appreciate those signals. And that's the thing, right? Because like another another thing that gay men culture has had for a really long time is you know the different like you know with like the scarf hankies and like different colors to like signal in different queer spaces like the different kind of um sexual acts that you're open to um which i because i've been reading uh, girl sex 101 and so that was mentioned in there as well that you could could also do that <laughs> if you wanted to but you know predominantly um a a gay man uh ritual but that's the thing is that it was just kind of like how do you how do you say like um i'm a lesbian like um or i i want to fuck women like as a woman um as as a (laughs) woman As a woman, like, I still remember, like, being in my early 20s and, like, I just started hanging out with, like, these cool, uh, roller derby women. And yeah, um, <laughs> we, I, I was at a, a, a dinner drink sort of thing and kind of, like, talking about how, like, I didn't really, like, know like if other women were queer or not and like that i was kind of having trouble there and the woman looked me up and down and was just like you know you're in you're in doc martin's and a leather jacket like you know you're already you're, you're there and it's just kind of like am i <laughs> But uh, yeah, sometimes if you're not in in the space um, and you don't have the tools, I guess for gay men, it's like you get given this animal word whether you want it or not because everybody can see that and you can't change your body. Whereas you know, for the for the more um, uh, lady, femme, non-binary, queer, la- you know, the uh, the other area. <laughs> um, Yeah, it can be really difficult to signal uh, without words.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's really coming home to me as we have this conversation of like symbols and shortenings and, you know, this kind of stuff would have been so important when it was, when it was or when it is like safe, unsafe, illegal Um, you know, not okay, very covert, very underground to have any queer culture or have any queer connection to be able to like, be like, I'm wearing this or I'm doing this or I've said this word and, you know, that's how you sort of signal and that's how you come together but it's all very covert and fraught whereas nowadays it's like, we have apps, we can have conversations, we can have gatherings and they won't get busted up by police most of the time, you know, it is amazing that we can be like, oh you know, language and signaling, uh, non-verbal signaling might have been really important back in the day. And I'm sure it was massively important back in the day. And nowadays I'm like, well, I can just have a conversation or I can just have a full vibe with someone and I don't have as much of the fear element of like, if I hit on someone, I could get arrested or seriously badly hurt kind of thing. Yeah,
1: it's a very luxurious time that, that we live in. So probably um, best to ask if you're wondering because <laughs> celebrate that we can. And what's the worst that could happen? Like somebody's not keen or you're mismatched or, <laughs> you know, like, and if somebody's going to be an asshole about you asking a fucking question, you know, I mean, as long as you approach it like, a, you know, in like a, a nice way and they're clearly open to talking to you, you know, always stipulations. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The whole don't be a dick kind of rule. Absolutely makes sense. And something else, you know, when Vix and I were talking about the idea of languages, jargon, subculture terms and acronyms is also with sex worker lingo. So when you go to have a look at sex workers or have a look at sex worker listings, so many of them have heaps and heaps and heaps of acronyms. And to the best of what I can discern, it seems like a lot of that is because of, again, a history of like really covert signaling where you would use euphemistic terms for listings in papers or directories or anything else where only an in culture would know that that certain word meant that you could get sexy photos or sexy letters from someone that used that term or used that acronym. But also when sex workers were pre-internet, and so much of the time it was in circulars or magazines and things like that. And you paid per word or you paid per character. So you had to use acronyms. Like you had to super bring it down to describe porn star experience, PSE, girlfriend experience, GFE, you know, um, bareback blowjobs, you know, blowjobs without condoms. Like what it BBBJ, <laughs> which I was like Brazilian jujitsu no (laughs) like when i first saw that term i was like i don't understand what that is yeah
1: I love doing the little the little learning because like I didn't know um you know PSC porn star experience till recently because I've been you know I- investigating um you know finding um a lady sex worker um to ha- have a, have a play with <laughs> so yeah I'm like a, get, get, getting back into into these uh l- little acronyms I think it, I totally forgot the whole um pay pay per fucking word life like so interesting. Like the different the different limitations um, in in history and culture that have sort of like uh, distilled to to still being a part of how we
0: communicate today. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as Vix and I, being women who are around thirty esque, if I may, be so- <laughs> I still so have two more months being <laughs> below thirty, Lauren. I know, I know, and I and I'm over thirty. Everybody, so you know. So. <laughs> What was I describing myself as a vintage lady? Because there was a bunch of young women in their 20s, like 20 hitting on me and I was very stressed out about it. Um, But yeah, I think even Vix and I at our age, we're still finding that TikTok or Zoomers are using heaps of language that I have to look up. Like I have to use Urban Dictionary. Even the STEM term, when when I was a teenager or early 20, it would be soft butch. You know, it would be... Like a gently masculine but still wear makeup kind of uh, scene boy kind of look would be a soft butch. Whereas now it seems like on TikTok that sort of fashion or designation or presentation gets called STEM. So I didn't know that. A stud femme. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, oh, okay. Like to me, that language has sort of changed. And even TikTok, I was like, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and maths yeah
1: like like, I'm so I just like listened to a podcast episode about STEM recently so I feel yeah when you said that I was like oh my god is she gonna have to like edit this word out she said something wrong
0: (laughs) no it's literally a term it's literally a term that I really really didn't get even though like STEM is what some people would call me sometimes so I'm like no so you know we're still going to get our minds blown by the younger generations on the reg they're inventing lots of language and have so much more of a sophisticated understanding of the expansive nature of gender and sexuality and connections like i'm genuinely pumped to to learn the words
1: oh yeah uh in awe and out with the notebook (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to say trying to keep relevant because i feel like that's you know what a lot of people our age get pegged with with um with tiktok but it's just sort of like I mean, it's like saying that you couldn't use Reddit anymore or, or something like that. It's just kind of like, where is culture happening, being born, being proliferated? And because and, you're seeing like the things that begin on TikTok growing elsewhere. So why why wouldn't we want to be in the spot where it's all fucking happening? Like it's a very exciting platform. <laughs> I still, I feel like... I still, when I talk to people our age about using it, they're like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't. And, I, and then I tell them the breadth of things that I learn how to do on TikTok. Not only like a uh, queer culture, gorgeous, love it, but fucking cooking, fucking yoga, dancing, organization. Um, one of the best platforms in the world for showcasing like how funny women are and them actually having space there like that. It is it, like a it, wow, it blows my mind every fucking day. I don't think I've ever gotten to be anywhere on the internet where, like, the awesomeness of women is so front and center. So, I think that was a total large tangent, also. But, man, if you're not on TikTok, fucking sort your life out.
0: <laughs> it genuinely is where I'm getting so much of my education because when I was in my late teenage years or early 20s, it would have all been YouTube you know, like YouTube on certain topics. But now I wouldn't say that YouTube is where memes get made or trends start or culture really gets formed. Like I really feel that you know, for the Western world, for my experience, it's absolutely on TikTok. Uh, and so identifying or finding the subcultures I'm into and then following it and just getting exposed to it a minute at a time, like what's happening internationally, what is the discourse, you know, in a very quick, easy to digest or flick through or flick past kind of way, Um, massively worth it. And the hashtag searching system can be interesting and good. Like if listeners were... You know, for example, if you're a cishet straight guy and you're like, do I have any language that fits me? You know, I would recommend having a look even at something like FetLife, like even if you're not super kinky, um, even if you're not super into fetish, they have so much language for sexual interests or identities or relationship formats that it might spark something for you and it might be interesting for you to have a look at uh or yeah have a look at the language that queer community uses and feel free to use some of it and try it for yourself like i've dated dudes that have been straight or mostly straight guys that are like yeah you're like i've got a bare build and they're happy to use that language you know and sort of freed it from freed it from the gay jail (laughs) kind of (laughs) kind of thing you know (laughs) yeah yeah and just keep breaking it down, keep inventing it, keep being open to it, keep being open to other people's experiences of language, I would say.
1: Yeah, like lang- language is fun and it's very playful. I feel like it is treated so often like prisons, you know, because people will either imprison themselves with it by, you know, um, cutting themselves off from doing or being different things or it's other people's doing the same. <laughs> like... But like, it can mean whatever you want. And, um, you know, it's just about having some like fun, cool conversations. It, I do like that words can be a little bit like fashion. It's like, try it on. See how it fits, you know? It's like sometimes, you know, when I'm like testing a piece of fashion, it's like, well, I'll wear it to work for the day because it's like low stakes, you know? It'll be just the people at work and and going on PT and being like, hmm, how did that feel? Maybe it's, yeah, on your next sexual encounter, describing your body in a different way that you might not have before and being like, hmm, how did that make me feel? How did they respond, you know? Do, do, does that feel like me? And if not, if I can put it down, grab another, and and just, just have fun with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, you can look at as with most things, you can look at getting other people involved, you know, you can if you're feeling unsure, you could go to other people, you know, as Vix did and say, you know, how would you see me? Or, you know, how would you how would you describe me? Or if I was at a lesbian club, then what category do you feel I fall under? It can be interesting to see how others see us. I think especially as queer women, Vix and I are just constantly living the, oh my God, are people seeing me? Are they actually seeing me? Kind of question where it's constantly like, am I queer enough? Is it obvious? Is it obvious to the right people? Like, you know, and I think even just if you're at a kink club, am I submissive enough? How can I show that I'm submissive? You know, like how can I signal to people? It can be, it's, as Vic said, you know, language should be fun and if the terms and the language is stressing you out, give it a whole break because you don't you don't need it. You know, it's not a ticket to ride kind of a situation either.
1: <laughs> now I just want you to indulge me and tell me what what labels
0: you'd give me.
1: I feel like it, like yours are so clear, you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh,
0: If you you say so. (laughs) If you say so, like, like, yeah, like I think, I think my labels can be pretty clear to me and can be pretty clear to who I communicate to but you know, out in the wild you know people do make assumptions so we do all have to practice the asking you know like you were saying so yeah
1: no i actually for people that like don't know you intimately like i think it's actually pretty interesting this scape of how <laughs> i was literally talking to your partner about this like last week just like uh, like how fun your duality of presentation is <laughs> <laughs> now you can be like sweet cupcake princess, like high tea baby doll, but then also like you know tough mask. Like I'm a top, get ready. <laughs> no, oh my gosh, not even get ready. It's just like mm.
0: <laughs> snap the glove. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And like we all have that within us. Like if you if you want that, or if you feel constrained by the way you look, like that doesn't have to be all of your identity either. Uh, And I do think we've got a lot of straight boys listening. Feel free to try some labels, you know, Um, give it a, give it a go. Challenge yourself to dress under a different label or your understanding of it, or just know that you can be spicy straight. (laughs) You know, you can have, you can have pizzazz going on uh, and better, uh, interesting, unusual sexual knowledge about yourself is a hot thing for partners to have too. So have, have a bit of fun. I mean, I was, I was literally when you were saying that, I'm like, well, you're definitely like a high fem uh, with a little bit of daddy energy when you want to whip it out. So, yeah, you know, just a little sprinkle, just a little sprinkle,
1: sprinkley dinkly.
0: Yeah, a little recreational dabbler, you know.
1: Recreational daddy. See, look, we just made a new fucking label.
0: Yeah, recreational
1: daddy. Bloody bloody well love it. But that's the thing too, is like. Yeah, I just about duality, like and people holding themselves back. Like, yeah, it's like I don't want to be daddy all the time, but when I really do, like I really do. Um and
0: Yeah, I mean this isn't for the episode anyway, but um <laughs> I mean you say that, but we can definitely we can definitely check it out there. And I mean, talking about that sort of duality, yes, like I'm atop the majority of the time, but like I will absolutely switch sometimes, or it doesn't mean that sex with me or dating me is going to have one kind of tone. Uh, And so, yeah, it just is about sort of freeing yourself from those assumptions and having an ongoing conversation about it and keeping the expectations kind of healthy and only using the labels to the degree in which it's interesting and fun and helpful.
1: Yeah, they're, they're like toys, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, thinking about them more like toys, I feel like, you know, uh, brings play more naturally in, right?
0: <laughs> some of us are more comfortable with toys than others, you know, that definitely really? works as a metaphor, you know? There's lots of dudes that are really threatened by toys being in the room, and there are some people that are like, fuck yeah, here's mine. You know, <laughs> bring out a whole box of that spicy fun. <laughs> So as a beloved listener, the most generous, sweet, juicy, fabulous thing that you can do is leaving us a review. It genuinely helps. Uh, If you are a Spotify listener, hop on onto any other podcast platform because Spotify doesn't currently have reviews and just plonk some thoughts in there. Give us some stars. Give us some words. Uh, There is a sexy incentive if you share words. Uh, Vix and I show it to each other and we squeal and we make faces over it and we get very excited and it makes our entire day when we get beautiful reviews from you. And we also like to uh, read some of them out on the show, which I... I'm about to do but if you're a shy little bean or you've already left a review and you want to thrill us a little bit more uh, we challenge you to tell a friend about the show so do you have friends that you would like to chat a bit more openly about dating and sex with is there a friend who's going through a breakup or feeling a bit stagnant or bored or stuck, uh, please recommend Wonderfully Done. We hear that we're a fun time. <laughs> so, you know, we'd love to get out into some more cute little ears and you can be a part of that. So I wanted to share a really cute little review that we got from Malu Melly. So, sweet little Malou writes, Wonderfully Done one of the few podcasts I can listen to as an ace person. I think it's a nice no-shame zone to hear about other people's sexuality and a great space to question your beliefs about sex. The podcast talks more about relationships and communication around sex than it does about sex itself, but the hosts are not scared to talk directly about their own experience in details when relevant. They sound like they're having a lot of fun and really sincere. They give complete answers to questions they get, but are not afraid to say, I don't know, I'm not sure, I need to read about it as well, which is really nice. Wow. Malu Meli, this is a gorgeous in-depth review, Vix. I mean, could we ask for anything more?
1: No, honestly, it makes me smile so much, and we've actually had, you know, a couple of different pieces of feedback from our lovely little ace fam and I'm really glad that we are creating a, a space that feels accessible to all kinds of people however they identify because you know how we connect with others is just such a fundamental beautiful part of life and I think a lot of co- conversations around sex can just be so over sexualized to a point where it's it's not fun or relevant and it's just kind of gross you know and sex doesn't have to be gross and i hope that that we prove that uh with every
0: episode we do well, this has been a chunky monkey of a baby sewed but we got lots of fun. We had many things to chat through. Uh, thank you for being a part of it, everyone. This is about all we've got time for you this episode, our sweet little darlings. As always, if you've got a question, a curiosity, something you'd love to hear us chat about, we would always love to hear it. So you can slide into our DMs at any time with your questions on Twitter at wonderfully. Or you can, of course, slip us an anonymous message at CuriousCat.qa forward slash wonderfully done. And wonderfully done can be downloaded wherever you like to listen to podcasts.
1: And hey, you're doing wonderfully. What?